Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right, well, as uh, Matt shared, if you would, open your Bibles to Colossians 3. Or you can click over there while you're going. Uh, We're in the fifth week of our series called King Forever. We've been studying through the New Testament letter to the Colossians. And uh, I do want to welcome you to Lighthouse Community. I want to welcome uh, all of our friends joining us in our online campus. Uh, Welcome to uh, Bluffton Community this morning. And then um, also just to everybody here in the house. So uh, Merry Labor Day uh, to everybody uh, tomorrow. So get out and get your labor off. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully you get to get some time off and all that good stuff. Um, you know, a lot of times when, when people think about Christianity, uh, one of the first things that comes to their mind is, is a new life, right? A changed lifestyle. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think that's consistent with the biblical pattern. Uh, but um, a lot of times uh, people who aren't really familiar with who Jesus is or what the scriptures teach they get in their mindset that um, what I need to do is it's time for me to turn over a new leaf and get to church, right? It's time for me to start living right, because I haven't been living right, and, and I need to start doing that. Um, other people will, uh, they'll start their families, right? And they've got young children who are beginning to grow, and they start thinking, oh, uh, these kids need to learn good morals uh, and develop character, and the best place to do that is is in the church. And so for whatever reason, you've got people who just simply start going to church uh, looking for new habits that they're going to integrate into their lifestyle. And so uh, what will happen, many times people will come to church and they'll start looking at other people who seem like they've got it together, right? They're like, well, you, you seem successful. Uh, I'll just, I'll do what you're doing, right? I'll just kind of mimic the things you're doing. And uh, so they start picking up new habits, right? They start attending church. Uh, They start participating in a small group. They they agree to uh, greet at the front doors on uh, Sunday mornings. They they always complete their connection card, Uh, right? Like all of these things. Uh, They pick up a reading plan, right? They they, they get into all of these new habits, all of these uh, new behaviors and disciplines, because that seems to be working for other people. So why wouldn't it work for me as well? And so they start doing these new things, and, and the new things are exciting for a little bit, right? They're exciting until they're not exciting anymore, right? Because the newness starts to wear off. And so, and so what ends up happening is they look for something else that's new that they could do. And so you get uh, looking for the new thing until that one wears off, and then you look for the next new thing, and then the next new thing. And, and, and over to what happens is you're simply being distracted by the new thing, but you can't get away from the, that emptiness, right? That initial nagging that was deep in your person, that something's off. And so the question starts to wonder like, okay, well, what's the problem here? Is there something wrong with the things that I'm doing, right? Is there something wrong with that? Am I not doing them right? Are they not the right things, and I need to go find the other better right things to begin doing? Uh, uh, and some people go, well, maybe, maybe it's not the things. Maybe it's the location. 
And so they go and they try to find another location, a different church, another organization, because if I go there, then maybe they'll help me to discover the right things to begin doing so I can get rid of this burden and this feeling. And so what ends up happening is in all of the trying, in all of the new habits, in all of the new disciplines and the behaviors, when you're chasing after that, you, you miss the central piece to that which actually brings new life, right? You miss, we miss out on it. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, okay? That's where we're going to be diving in. Now, uh, before we get into uh, the scripture and the teaching, what I'd like to do is, um, I've had a couple people, it's been interesting, I've had a couple people over the last uh, probably four weeks who uh, have, in different ways, either messaged me or, or talked to me after service or, or while we're hitting up, and they're asking me the question, and they're saying, is it okay? Sometimes when someone's teaching on Sunday morning, uh, they, they say something that's really true, or, or it's really, it just, man, it just hits me right where I'm at. Is it okay if I say something? Like, can, can I say, like, woohoo, or, or amen, or like, is that okay? Um, right? They're like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. And here's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can do that. You don't have to. But if there's something you're like, oh man, that was really clear. And you know, because sometimes what happens when, when there's this encouraging moment from the family, it, it kind of encourages whoever's teaching up here. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm dialing in on, on what God has to say to our church family today. So I know some people have been going, I don't, I don't know, am I allowed to whatever? I had somebody who said, I said, amen, I'm sorry I did that. Right? Like, you, don't, you don't have to apologize. So yeah, if something's going well, say amen, say yeah. If you, if you hear somebody, if I'm struggling up here, right? You can, I remember I was a part of a church just decades ago, but I remember when the, when the pastor kind of seemed like he was struggling and he couldn't find his way, there'd be this lady in the back. She'd go, help him, Lord. You know? <laughs> and so, so, so if you see me, if you see me struggling, and just help him, help him, Lord, help him. Uh, <laughs> All right, yeah. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the scripture. Oh, what a great family. Okay, um, so we're going to start in uh, verse 1. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, but uh, you can follow along with what you have. Uh, it says this, uh, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things that are above, not on things uh, that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Uh, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the, uh, excuse me, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay? And so what Paul is doing here is he's exposing the central piece of a new life, right? He's, he's saying, let me tell you what is central 
to a truly genuine new life. And, and did you see what the answer is? It's, yeah, it's, it's Christ. Right? Christ. Christ is the central piece. It's, it's salvation in Christ alone. And so we're, we've talked about this last week. By the way, everything we talk about today uh, and, and for the rest of the series really is predicated on this idea that we are saved by grace. Right? We're saved by grace through faith. And it's nothing you can do. You can't earn it. You can't pay it back. You can't show that you deserve it, right? It is simply by grace. You have to cement that into your mind and into your spirit because if you miss that piece, you start going in all these wanky directions that you're like, you know, and you end up where you don't really want to be. And so when we see people who have been genuinely encountered by the person and the work of Jesus Christ, uh, Paul makes the point in these passages that this new life in Christ gets marked by three things. Right? The first one is a new identity. The second one is new behaviors. And the last one is a new response towards life. Okay? New identity, new behaviors, and a new response towards life. And so what Paul says is someone who has been raised to new life in Christ now has a new identity. Now you might be asking the question, what do you, what do you mean like a new identity. Paul puts it another way uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, you may be familiar with this passage. It's in verse 17. But he says this, right? Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in, in, is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The old is gone and the new is here. That's the way that Paul says that really, really clearly in 2 Corinthians. It basically says, listen, you're a new person. If you're in Christ, you are literally brand new. And I've heard people talk about that idea of this new identity. And in an effort to try to explain it, they'll use like an analogy or a metaphor or something like that. And so they might say, well, you know, this new life in Christ, it's kind of like uh, you've joined a new team. And so you got a new jersey. And so you put on your new jersey, and now you, know, you used to play for this team, but now you play for that team, and so you're putting on this brand new jersey because you're on a new team. And other people said, well, yeah, it's, it's a little more than that. It's kind of like relocating to a brand new city. I don't know if you've ever done that. You like moved to an entirely new city. You don't know anybody there. And essentially, you can start a new life, right? You get like this brand new life, this new opportunity in a new city. Nobody knows you. You can be whoever you want to be. And others said, no, no, it's more than that. It's actually like uh, the witness protection program, right? Where, you know, they sweep you away and you get a, a new name and a new social security number and a new job and, and all of those things. That's, that's what it's like. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, it's more than that. It's, it's that, but it's more than that. Because when you're in Christ, it's not just your outside that changes. It's not just your clothing. It's not just where you go. It's not simply what you do. But when you read the New Testament, this is a total reorientation of your entire being. Right? This, this is a complete change. This is a complete transformation. The best way I can think to describe it is like this. Imagine for a moment that you died. Okay? Like literally. You just, you died. You did everything you could to stop it, but, but you died, okay? And then, after you were dead, you were brought back to life, okay? You were literally brought back to life after being dead. And now that you've been brought back to life, you're still you, okay? You're not somebody different. You're still you. But now that you've been brought back to life, like, everything's different, 
Everything has changed. And in fact, now for the first time, you're like the realest you that you've ever been in your life. You've never been more you than right now since you've been brought back to life, right? And so for the first time, you're living real life. You are who you were always meant to be. That's what new life in Christ is is meant. This new identity that Paul is talking about. Because now you're in him and you have this you have that you're living with this new eternal hope that one day you're going to be with him, right? That's a part of this new identity. And Paul says, "Listen, this part of this new identity is not simply understanding and realizing, but he also says it's stepping into it." It's, it's stepping in to your brand new identity. And so what Paul's doing when he's coaching these young disciples in Colossae, right? Um, he's saying in the verses, we, we read them, he's saying, put to death this, this old way of living, put off the old self, and put on the new self. He's saying, listen, you've got you're to step in. You have a new identity, and you have to step into that new identity. And part of that is recognizing, I'm not that old person anymore, Right? That, that old person, that, pre, that, that person's gone. That person's dead. Like that is done and that is over. And so Paul says, put, to, put off the old self, put on the new self. What's really interesting is the verbs that are used in the putting to death and the putting off and the putting on, they have this really unique Greek tense that we don't really have in the English language. So it doesn't translate over super well. So I want to take just a brief moment and explain what this putting off and this putting on is. Because the tense means that this has already taken place. Okay, The putting off and the putting on has already happened. And at the exact same time, it's still happening. And it's going to continue to happen. Okay, Does that make sense? So, so it's already happened and it's still taking place right now. Look at verse 12 for just a moment, okay? This will maybe help explain a little bit. So verse 12 in chapter 3 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And then he goes on to list uh, some different behaviors and characteristics, right? He's saying, listen, in Christ, you are God's chosen In Christ, you're beloved. In Christ, you're holy, right? That's who you are right now. In Christ, you are God's chosen, you're holy, you're beloved, you're all of that stuff, and at the exact same time, you're still in the process of becoming that person. Do you see what I'm saying? A a, a couple of years ago, uh, my youngest son, Hendrix, uh, broke his arm at school playing football. Um, He was a receiver. He, the ball was thrown to him, and when he came down, he broke his arm. Uh, he had like three elbows, right? Like, right? It, was, it was horrible. It was not good. Uh, I remember we're at the ER, and one of the social workers comes in, because, you know, they got to like, hey, like, did this happen at home, Dad? Did you? you know, they're checking to make sure something. I was like, no, listen, this was at school. Uh, they were playing football, and he passed. And, and I asked Hendrix, I said, hey, listen, this is the question that she really wants to know, so you got to answer this. Did you catch it? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Dad. <laughs> and I asked her, I said, can you please make sure that makes it in the notes? <laughs> she didn't say anything. She just left. <laughs> right? But uh, so, uh, so he had a broken bone, right? It was, like, it was really gnarly. It was not good. 
And so what happened in the process is is the doctor reset that bone and put it all back in alignment, right? So it wasn't broken like it was before. And at the same time, there was still, still healing that had to take place, right? This is what Paul's talking about, right? We're, we're brought back into alignment with God. We're, we're declared as no longer broken, and at the same time, we're still undergoing healing. We're still undergoing transformation. We're still being called up into this person who's chosen, who's holy, and who's blameless, right? And so in Christ, I have this new identity that's true of me now, and I'm still becoming that person through the Holy Spirit's supernatural work in my life. And you have to understand this. My new identity in Christ actually overrides any other previous identity I've ever held. That's, that's what Paul's talking about in verse 11. He says, listen, when you're in Christ, there's, there's no more racial boundaries, right? Like you were not, we're not identified primarily by our race. We're not identified by our religion. We're not identified by our nationality. We're not even identified by our economic position, right? All of that stuff, that's how you used to identify one another. But now what does he say? Christ is in all and Christ is all. You're, you're known by being in Christ because Christ, you're in him and Christ is in you. That's how you identify. That's how you self-identify from here on out. Christ is my new identity. You've got to catch this. This new identity, it's a gift. It's a gift, right? It's, it's a gift by grace. And, and you have to, listen, if, if you miss this piece of a new identity, if you skip this, if you overlook this identity, things get really, really screwy really quickly. And so you see that this new life in Christ is marked by a new identity. And then this new identity actually ends up to leading to new behaviors, this new way of living. And so again, identity comes first. And what I mean by that, we're saved by grace through faith. It's in Christ's work, in his person. There's nothing I can do to earn it. There's nothing I can do to repay it. I simply receive it. And now I have this new identity. And because I'm God's chosen, and because I'm holy, and because I'm blameless, because my identity has been transformed in Christ, my life also goes through transformation too. Look at, uh, let's look back starting at uh, verse 10 for just a moment. We're going to pick up there and read ahead. It says this, So having put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in, in, and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful, right? And so this new identity and this new lifestyle, these new behaviors, it's marked Right? It's marked by this transformation. Look at the behaviors that are listed there. Look at the, the, the change in the character. Right? It's compassion. It's kindness. It's humility. It's meekness. It's forgiveness. It's peace. Right? It's love. It's, it's all of this. And think about this. Go back in the passages, right? verse 5 and verse 8. Look at the contrast. What, like, what a remarkable contrast. What's the old life? Sexual immorality, idolatry, anger, evil desires, 
And you go, like, that's the old life, and here's the new life. When you, when you see those two put up against one another, like, here's the serious question. Do you really think you have what it takes to make that jump on your own? Like, do you really believe that you have it within you to go from that old way of living to what God is calling us to and inviting us into? Do you think you can muster up, like, enough willpower, enough, enough determination, enough discipline to get there by yourself? Do, do you see how the new identity in Christ actually paves the way and sources the way to this new living, right? Again, verse 12. We read it, but it's worth reading again. Where does Paul start? He says, as, as be, you're already identified as God's chosen, right? You're holy, you're blameless, you're blameless. So put on. Even verse 13, when it says to forgive, he says, listen, you got to forgive each other. But remember, you've been forgiven by the Lord first. And so as one who has already been forgiven, then give away. Forgiveness, right? That's verse 13. If you try to step into behavior before you step into identity, what you've done is made a giant leap into religion. Let me say that again. That's very, very critical. But it's also threatening, right? If you try to chase after and step into behavior before identity, what you've actually stepped into is religion. Right? The whole idea, fake it until you make it. Right? You've probably heard that. What's, and so what we're telling each other is, well, pretend like you're that person, even though you're really not. Pretend until that just becomes who you are. So fake it till you make it. But the reality is this, right? What... What, does, what did Christ refer to people who live that kind of a lifestyle? Yeah, he referred to them as hypocrites. He said, you're just an actor. You're an actor. You've, you've put on a mask, and you're playing a part that's actually not who you are. Actually, all you're doing is, you're not making it, you're just faking it. That's actually all that's happening. And do you remember what we talked about last week in chapter 2? What... what uh, value does religion have in finding freedom from sin? Paul says none. He says religion is sin. Like put, putting self f like I can do this, I can make that right. That is sin. That's the essence of sin. And so you've got, you've got to understand, you've got to grasp this, right? It's that this kind of change, this kind of change that Paul's talking about, from this old life to this new life, right? One that's marked by anger to one that's marked by love and peace, right? That only happens when the Holy Spirit is transforming you from the inside out. That's the only way that happens. This is a supernatural work that God does within you. And you can't manufacture it on your own. You can't be good enough. You can't be strong. You can't be smart enough. None of that. You can't make this happen without Christ. Now, here's an interesting thing. Look back at verses uh, 12 through 15 for a moment that we just read. And I want you to scan through some of those actions, some of those characteristics. Okay? Look at them, right? There's like patience. There's meekness. There's kindness. Uh, there's forgiveness. Love. Peace. All of that. Now, if you're familiar with the scriptures and you're looking at this list, what, does, does this list remind you of another list maybe you've seen before? 
What, what is it? What's it remind you of? Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is the fruit of the Spirit, man. Like, it, it's just in a different order. It's shared a little bit differently, but this is clearly the fruit of the Spirit when you look in right, the New Testament of, uh, letter of Galatia, to Galatia. And so Paul is using that again. He's like, listen, this is what happens. This, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And if you think you're going to manufacture this and make this thing happen on your own, you're crazy. You're crazy. This is a gift of God. But the more you step into your new identity in Christ, the more uh, you experience these kinds of transformation in your daily living, right? A change in your behavior, change in your discipline, change in your thinking, a change in your desires, right? All of that stuff. But it starts with a new identity in Christ. And so you've got this new life that's marked by a new identity, that's marked by new behaviors, but then also there's this new response towards life, right? Look, uh, let's pick back up in verse 15, and then we're going to land on verse 17. Uh, It says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, you in, uh, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. In all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There's something that shows up in these three verses in every single verse. Right? There's this word, there's this phrase that shows up in every verse that we just read. And it's this, verse 15, be thankful. Verse 16, with thankfulness in your hearts. Verse 17, giving thanks. Listen, somebody who has genuinely encountered the grace of Jesus Christ and has been given this new identity, and they're beginning to see right, like this transformation happen in their life, you can't help but be thankful. Like thanksgiving and joy are just the marks of somebody who has genuinely encountered Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, yeah, amen, thank you, Uh, yeah. And so listen, what's amazing is thanksgiving and joy like typically travel together in pairs, you, you, don't, you don't see one without, right? They just kind of, they journey together, right? Like Laurel and Harvey. Um, but uh, so you, it's just like this really clear transfer, uh, you know, marks of a transformed life. Why? Why has Thanksgiving and joy become a mark of somebody who's been uh, brought to new life in Christ? Is it because nothing bad ever happens to these people? No. Right? That's, not, that's not it at all. Um, is it because these people are too blessed to be stressed? No. That is not it at all either. Here's why joy, here's why thanksgiving and joy become the hallmarks of a believer's life. Because they know that no matter how bad or hard or challenging this life gets, they will never face the absolute worst that they could have. And they also know that no matter how good this life gets or how blessed or, or, or how, right, the best is still to come, right? And so it's like they, they have this understanding. I've, I've already been saved from the worst and the best is still ahead. What, like what's really going to destroy me in the process of that? And so it's this vision, it's this sight. And so someone, like someone who has genuinely come to faith in Jesus Christ by grace, and they recognize they have been given the greatest gift ever. 
And so why wouldn't I be joyful? Why wouldn't I be full of thanksgiving? Because if I'm in Christ and he's in me, then that means I belong to him and he's mine forever. And so what ends up happening in the lives of these people who have this new identity is, right, Paul talks about this, peace overwhelms, it rules, peace rules these people. Even in the midst of heartache, peace rules these people. For, for these kinds of people, worshiping God is normal. To celebrate him and his character, it's normal. They see every moment as an offering to Jesus. Every activity takes on brand new meaning because it all becomes a, uh, an offering up to him, right? And you have to understand this. You can't fake this Thanksgiving. You can't fake this kind of joy. Right? It's almost like this litmus test of, of a genuine believer, right? It's like this deep-rooted... Here, right, here's just a question. Just, these, are, these are not guilt-driven questions. These are just diagnostic questions. So like when, when success comes into your life, how do you usually respond to the success that takes place in your life? Do, like, do you celebrate your efforts and what you've put into it? Or actually, have you responded in joy and thanksgiving that God has literally given, literally the air to breathe? <laughs> right, Jackson and I were praying for the service this morning, and one of the things we were thanking God for is like, thank you that we even have the ability to breathe. We, we wouldn't be able to do that without you. If you didn't give us the capacity, right, air, oxygen, perfect environment, lungs, all, all of that taking place. It's all a gift from him. What's your response to significant challenges? Are you overwhelmed by worry and stress and how am I going to get out of this as quickly as possible? Or do you lean into God? Do you trust him with the knowledge and the understanding that he only allows things into your life that's going to bring him glory and that will actually ultimately be for your good? Do, do, you, see how, do you see how the new identity do you see how uh, recognizing who you are in Christ and who Christ is and who God is actually transforms, it changes everything. It changes the way you respond towards life. See, Christians, Christians realize with a, new, with a new identity, they realize that there's no success or victory that's greater than Christ's victory in me. And they also realize that there's no defeat and there's no suffering that will be greater than what I've already been saved from. And so what happens is this new supernatural outflow that comes from that is of this deep abiding faith in Christ. It's thanksgiving. It's joy, even in some of the most difficult of situations. And so the identity has to come first. The identity has to come first. If you skip what it means to be in Christ, you end up chasing the form and you miss the substance. Okay? If you go after the behaviors, if you go after the, the change, right, the joy and the thanksgiving, you, you actually go after the form and you miss the substance of what it is. There's no way to a new life that lasts on your own. That just doesn't take place. Because it's not new habits, it's not better habits, it's not even improved situation that's going to make your life better or give you new life. Listen, the pathway, some of you guys are going, man, I'm struggling in my marriage. And so, you know what I need to do? The pathway to a better ma marriage is like uh, having better negotiating skills. Right? <laughs> I give him what he wants, he gives me what he wants, it's all great, right? Like, and, then we, and that's how it works. 
Some of you go, you know, man, I'm just not feeling fulfilled in my career. And so I would feel fulfilled if I got this promotion. That, that would, that would lead me to a better life. That would lead me to a new life. Right? And if you think that, you're, 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 you're missing the overwhelming point that there is nothing in this world that can stand up under the weight of what your heart actually needs. There is nothing in this world that can handle the weight, the burden of your true deepest desire. There's no habit, there's no practice, there's no situation. There's nothing that can stand up underneath the weight of that. Well, then how then? How do we do that? Well, I think it begins with the realization that there is only one person who has ever actually lived out his true identity. Right? I think I really do think it's there. There's, there's only one person who lived as he is. You see, Christ knew who he was, and his behaviors and his response to every moment in life was a direct result of knowing who he was. You, you have to see that, right? Jesus knew that he was God's son. Jesus knew that he was chosen, that he was loved, that he was holy, right? He, he knew all of that, that he had purpose. He knew that his greatest work would be to glorify God, and that all flowed from his identity, okay? Identity is actually so critical uh, that in the New Testament, right, in the Gospels, you see Jesus' identity affirmed three times, you actually see his identity affirmed. Maybe it's more than that, but there's three really, really big moments where Jesus' identity is affirmed. The first one is at his baptism, and the second one is the transfiguration on the mountain. Right? Now, if, you, if you're familiar with these moments, in, in Jesus' baptism, Jesus goes into the water, he comes up out of the water. Uh, who descends on him like a dove? The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And then there's this voice that booms from heaven. And do you remember what that voice said? This is my son. You bring me joy. I'm pleased with you. Right? I love him. And then you go to the fast forward, right? You go to the transfiguration on the mountain. And Jesus is transfigured right there before, right? Peter and Peter, James and John. And they're like, ah! You know, and Peter goes down, and Moses and Elijah, they're there. And again, there's this voice. And what does the voice say? This is my son. I love him. Listen to him. Right? You go, well, that's two. What's the third? Oh, I guarantee you already know what it is. Do you know what the third affirmation is? You know what the third affirmation of Jesus' identity is? You know what it is. It's his resurrection. Anybody can die. But there's only one. There's only one who's the first among many to be resurrected. And Jesus' resurrection is the ultimate affirmation that he is the Son of God. He is who he said he was. He can do what he said he can do. And that everybody who puts their faith in him can have a new identity and a new life. Do you see how critical identity is for all of us?
And so it's, it's Christ in you and the Holy Spirit transforming our life that leads us to a new life. So, so what exactly do I do with that then? Well, I think it's verse 16, right? Let's do this. Let's actually read verse 16 out loud together. And it simply said, starting with, let the word of Christ. Are you ready? Go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's, that's Paul's invitation here, right? What's really interesting about this word dwell is its, its root is house or home. That's the root of this word dwell, house or home. So literally what Paul is saying here is saying, listen, invite the word of Christ, invite the gospel to move in, right? Like to move in the way that Christine and I moved in together after we got married, right? So we, we committed, we joined, and we moved in together. And then it was like, she wakes up, I'm there. Breakfast, I'm there, right? She comes home, I'm there. <laughs> Going to bed, I'm the last thing she sees before she closes her eyes at night, right? How'd you like to go to bed to that, <laughs> right? But I'm there all the time, I'm there. And so it's the same with the gospel, right? You wake up, gospel. You got this overwhelming victory at work or at school, gospel. You've got this crushing challenge. You're, you're facing suffering, gospel. End of the day, end of your life, gospel. When do you, when do you not need? You, you invite the gospel to move in, to dwell, right? To set up shop right here in your life, richly. So listen, some of you guys came in this morning, you go, man, I need a pathway to a better marriage. What do I do? It's not negotiation. It's the gospel. How do I find fulfillment in my career? It's the gospel. How do I make it through this really challenging season? Gospel. It's, it's Christ. And if you think at any moment that after you come to faith, you graduate from the gospel, you missed it. You missed it. And so some of you guys are going, well, what do you mean the gospel? Very quickly, it's this. God is the creator of everything, including you and me. We're not the happy accidents of an uncaring universe. We're the intentional creation of a caring God. And because every single one of us have the desire and have made the decision to live life on our own, independent from God, we're separated from him. But God's not okay with that separation, right? So what's he do? He sends his son who knew he was the son to live the life we should have lived and die the death every one of us deserved to die. And then a miracle happened, right? This amazing moment of affirmation three days later. Jesus rose from the dead, says, this, this is my son. This, this is the stamp. This is the final, right? This, this is it. He is my son. And so now, guess what? Everything's different. Everything's different. And when you put your faith and you put your hope in Christ, your life can be different. You can actually have been raised to life from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And when you realize that God knows the depths of your actual sin, sinfulness and he still loves you beyond what you could comprehend or understand, your very being begins to be transformed. You become a new person through the gospel. You receive a new identity through the gospel, right? You start taking on new behaviors and new lifestyles through the gospel. Your response to life changes because of the gospel, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. And so what I might encourage everyone here to do is to invite the gospel to move in, to dwell 
richly. In just a really practical way is simply to read through the Gospel of Mark. One chapter a day. One chapter a day. And as you're reading, ask this question. What is this saying about who God is? What is this saying about the Father? What is this saying about Jesus? What is this saying about the Holy Spirit? What does this reveal about his character? What does this say is true about him? What does he love? What makes him angry? What brings him joy? What kinds of actions does he engage in? Right? Just ask all the things that one chapter a day out of the Gospel of Mark may teach you about who the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit is. And I would encourage you to write those thoughts down. Write those answers down in a notebook. Because what you do, you're engaging truth about God's character. And if you go back and read Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, that the new self, the new self that's being renewed, do you know how it's renewed? You can look at the passage, right? On your phone, it simply says this, the new self is, that's being put on is renewed through the knowledge of your Creator. The more you know God, the more your life is transformed. Why? Because it's identity. It's not life hacks. It's not better behaviors. It's not more fun disciplines. It's, the, it's knowing who God is. And so resist chasing after the behaviors. Don't, don't even chase after the thanksgiving or joy. Those are all results. They're all results of a new identity in Christ. And the only way you get a new identity in Christ is by grace. Right? By putting your faith in Jesus as your forgiver and as your leader. I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. We uh, like to close in prayer and with um, just a, a question that we ask every weekend. And the question is simply this. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? What are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? And I want to give you a moment to listen to what he may be saying to you. Listen, it's not that there's nothing for you to do, but it is that the work is already done. And until you invite the Holy Spirit to cement that into your person, you'll, you'll never really step into the new self that God has for you. We grow the same way we were saved, by grace, through faith, in Christ. So that no one can boast. It's a gift. What we're going to do in just a moment is we're um, actually going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together here in just a moment. Um, and before we step into that... Let me just share a few things. I, I think communion is one of the most amazing moments to be reminded that I'm simply saying yes, right? I'm not, I'm not doing any of the work. The work's already been done. The work's been done in me. The work is being done in me. And I'm simply responding with yes and trust and faith in who Christ is, right? And so uh, before I invite you forward for communion, I'm going to ask uh, our uh, helpers, 
Steve and Carla Whitmire, if they'll come forward, they're going to get some things prepared. But as they're doing that, let me share a couple uh, of things with you about communion here at Lighthouse. Uh, the first one is this, is that uh, we have what's known as open communion. So you don't have to be like a member of Lighthouse community or gone through some class to be able to receive communion uh, here at Lighthouse community. What you do need to be is a member of God's family. <laughs> You've got to be one of his sons, one of his daughters. You, you have to have had this new identity and said yes to it and stepping into that, right? Even if you don't know everything that that means, yet you have to say yes and, st- and step into that new identity. And so, right, all the work has already been done. We're coming to remember and we're coming to celebrate. And we're, and we're reminding ourselves and we're reminding each other as we're coming forward and as we uh, take the elements together, we're saying, wow, it's because of Christ. It's because of Christ. I've done nothing. I don't, I don't earn it. I don't get and none of it. It's all because of Christ. And so let this be a time of thanksgiving. Let this time be a time of joy. And the last thing I would just say is this. This is a, this is a celebration for the family of God. And if you're not a part of the family of God today, I would invite you to take one of two, cho- one of two actions today. And the first one is this, um, that you uh, actually would, one could be you just stay in your seat, right? Because scripture is clear. If you eat and drink uh, in, in a way that misses who, what Christ has done, you're actually eating and drinking judgment on yourself. I would not want anybody here to eat or drink judgment on themselves because they're missing who Christ is. So that's one thing. When, when others come forward, you can stay in your seat. That's a totally okay response. Here's the second response. If you sense God speaking to you and calling your name, you could say yes right now. Literally right now, wherever you're at, you could say yes, and then you could come and celebrate your very first communion with your new family in Christ, right? Those are two responses. I think one's a little better than the other, but they're two, two are okay, right? Those two are okay. So I want to do this. I want to pray for you. Then the band's going to lead us in a song. And as they're leading us, I'm going to invite you to come forward down the center aisles and then return back out uh, through the outer aisles, back to your seat. I think that'll be orderly. And then wait to take the uh, communion elements until everybody's received them. And we'll do that together. But let me pray. And then I'll invite you to come forward. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have softened our hearts to the message of the gospel. And that any one of us who have said yes, it was not because uh, we got smarter or we got better or we finally figured it out. It is a gift from you. You quickened our spirits. You brought us to life to be able to say yes. And we thank you, Christ, that you have done what we could not do. We never could have pulled off what you've pulled off. And you did it for us. And you did it to bring glory to the Father. And you clearly have. And you clearly do. And so we say thank you. And we worship you. And we celebrate you. And would you continue to transform us into the people you're calling us to be. Right? Like the measure of of the standard is not the person next to me. It's actually you. You're calling us into the full measure of the person and the character of Jesus Christ. And so may we willingly come and say, yes, whatever you want to do, Lord, you can do it in me. I trust you and I want you. And I pray for anybody here this morning that has not crossed that line of faith yet. They have not said yes, but they're recognizing, like they're feeling, their heart rate is like quickening. They're going, oh man, I think this is what I'm called to. May you grant them the faith and the strength to say yes, literally right now, wherever they are. And they can uh, celebrate their first Lord's Supper with the new family. We worship you. We praise you, O God. 
Thank you for this moment of grace that we do not deserve. We will never be worthy to come and receive this. It's only in you that we can. We ask these things in the great name of Jesus. And everybody said. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.